I've never eaten whale. It can't be good. Just well, eating whale? Good. Yeah. I have no idea. Isn't that mainly why they're being hunted? The Japanese love to eat them? No idea. I have a nickname of the whale. I was taking some of the guys that worked for a company I was working with. Took them out for dinner for sushi uh-huh. several years ago. And the waitress came over. She was very nice. Probably kind of new. And broken English in Japanese restaurant. She said, you know, some of the specials that they had, she read off. Uh-huh. I said, do you have anything tonight that's like unique or special? Which I was just like, you know, maybe they've got like, I don't know, some bluefin or something. Sure, sure. And she looks at me and she says, we do not serve whale. <laughs> I was thinking you did. And I looked at it and I said, hey, look, you can just use my name, okay? <laughs> to which the guys laughed their asses sure, sure, off. Sure. She didn't get the joke. We explained it to her. The, the meal went on. Everything was fine. But to this day, that group of guys still refer to me as, whale, the, as the course, whale of course. because of that, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> and like it, as it, as we worked together at a later company, they would buy me like a little whale accoutrement. Of course they did. And one of my favorite things ever, one of the engineers there put into you know Slack, the messenger, you can put in auto responses. So whenever there's a, sure, a word sure, or sure. something, it responds. And there's this awesome gif of a, of a trainer at SeaWorld standing up and the and one of the killer whales spinning around and knocking him over. Nice. Like he's just, the, sure, the killer whale's doing sure. thing and knocks him over by accident. So they put in, anytime you said the word whale, Quiet, please. this thing would come up and spin around. Oh, so people awesome. would be like in a text thread talking about when they'd be like, we don't know why this happens. I just, I just shrug. I'd be like, I'm going to leave sure. that. In four, <laughs> three, two, Presents a truly terrible podcast. Welcome to Nonsense, episode number 37. I'm Jeff Parker. And I'm CJ Little. This is our take on the week's business tech and entertainment headlines. This time, CJ will look at kamikazes. The drink. Then we'll discuss iFixit entering the fight to get those darned ice cream machines at McDonald's working. So is that like a dude just rolls up to iFixit with an ice cream machine from McDonald's? He's like, here, you fix it? No, like, no. This is, do you not know this story? I mean, I know a little bit of it, but you're going to tell me You know who the iFixit guys are, Of right? course. Oh my God. We owe these yeah, guys sure. such a huge debt of gratitude. You break, We're going to talk fix. about that. Okay. I had a... This is this is a dumb thing for I fix it, but they they do it. Sure. They make manuals for how to fix things. Okay. I had an old phone yeah. that I loved. Okay. And it was probably four years old, longer sure. than you should have a smartphone. Sure. And they put up a, a there's a manual for how to replace the battery was going. Okay. They put up a manual for how to replace the battery. And I swear it was like you get their little spudger or whatever the thing's called. Spludger. You pull okay. spludger. You is. pull apart these the glass sandwich that uh-huh. is the phone. Yep. And you actually can replace the yeah. battery. And, you, and the, it's even a place where you can order the replacement battery for like nothing. Yep. And you put in the new battery and I was like it's like, okay, this is gonna work for like another four years. I don't want this phone to Exactly. I'm exactly. done with this phone. Yeah. But, I, but I kept it for like another, you know, six sure. months or whatever, just because this works. I, uh, this I, is remarkable. I think it was the iFixit guys as well. My my OG iPad, the first iPad, the Wi-Fi chip went out on it. Sure, okay. Bought a new one for like 15 bucks. Bought the whole iFixit kit. Sure. It was, but like it had like a sack of, it came literally came with a sack of rice. You had to nuke in the microwave to put on Why? the glass to Why? heat up the adhesives. So you could oh, pry it apart. Interesting. And I got, there was like a, it was like a, I don't know, an 18 step process. I got to step two and I was like, fuck Well, this. Apple plays big Just, in the right to repair fight. Yeah, sure. We're going to talk about that. We're yeah, going okay. to come up to that. It is Gobstopper Day. September Gobst- September 14th is Gobstopper Day, popularly, popularly known as Jawbreakers. Is the Gobstopper like, is that the like the English word? That is, yeah, that is the English word. And it, you, you remember, I meant like from you, England. You rem- yes, you remember it from Willy Wonka. Willy Wonka. Everlasting where they have the Gobstopper. Everlasting Gobstoppers. Yes. And 
and there actually was a gobstopper can they licensed the Willy sure. Wonka candy name sure. to somebody and then Nestle ended up buying that company along with water there were everlasting gobstoppers may still be on the shelves to this day they seem like a terrible idea for kids gobstoppers because you just a little round inhale things, and you just, would die they just seem like choking hazards yeah, of course they are it's like why would you do this every other toy in the world comes with anything <laughs> resembling that There's saying hole in the middle. saying do not give do to not your child <laughs> exactly hey give me one of those uh give me one of those choking those, hazard you ever think it's just slightly bigger than my esophagus exactly what do you have that's just a little bit of my esophagus <laughs> like the size of maybe a golf there. ball yeah. yeah could you put a little plug this on that it seems like a safe thing it seems terrible it is also national eat a hoagie day i'm sorry national eat a hoagie day do you know what hoagie is i, I do oh I, my gosh I, I think i had submarine one on sandwich Sunday. long bread filmed with meat cheese veggies sure. whatever it is you want to put in it uh, also called subs torpedoes poor boys or grinders i mean i grew up in uh, heroes bombers submarines you got a lot of these don't you it goes on uh i had one on sunday from a very nice italian deli here in los angeles it is also national sober day part of national sober month this september's national sober month the initiative is sponsored by the substance abuse and mental health services administration the holiday can be about renewing one's commitment to staying sober or marking the start of a journey to getting sober millions of people suffer from substance abuse and this day reminds them that they are supported and that they are not alone in their struggles this is a good day this is a good day how's your week going well now i feel like i should probably drink less i mean i gotta think about that during the whole show <laughs> whatever you so thanks a lot. whatever you need to do you know if you have problems or you don't look i just wanted to show up and talk about suicide missions and now all of a sudden we got to talk about <laughs> national sober day uh as you know it's hot in california still la is still pretty hot man it is went to the beach over i the thought weekend. we were done with this well, i thought i thought this was going to pass here's my idiot self i was like let's go to the beach we'll bring the kids we'll invite some of the other parents for the new school we'll yeah. go to the beach that was saturday night i wake up sunday morning to a rain forecast i literally felt like yeah what? it rained it didn't it wasn't in the forecast it's like what happened how'd you miss this i really feel like steve martin in la story i also live in southern california where it didn't rain it, it did in beverly hills we didn't have rain yeah, but it was like here's what was crazy it was like a 40 percent chance of precipitation but it was like 0. 0.001 inch yeah it had to be it just like drizzled nothing. for a second right. so it's like fuck this we're going to the beach we didn't it even was perfect we didn't even notice it here i did but the uh the waves were insane the tide was pretty killer pardon so the pun. all good right all good didn't see any dolphins kids, kids enjoyed the uh the, the beach kids loved it dolphins scare the crud out of me why when i go out into like matador state beach yeah. or something like sure. that and i'll Love go matador. out with a body bodyboard we're bodyboard at zuma we're right next to you yeah and and it's really fun to play on the waves out there with sure. the board and the, I, I'll, one time I was joined by maybe six dolphins, dolphins yeah. right alongside close to me I could not get to the shore fast enough sure were they trying to ask you about your car's warranty? <laughs> they should have been. That would have been great. No, I'm sure everybody says the dolphins are so lovely and they're yeah. wonderful and all that. Yeah. No, I'm going to get the pack of dolphins. They've got the cigarettes rolled up in their sleeves. <laughs> These are the bad guys who are going to kill you. The other side of the tracks? Yes. How's your week going now that you're back? Because you've been in isolation for a good seven or eight days, right? Yeah, no, that's not a bad thing. Are you ready to go back to a Dodger game and get sick again? Yeah, I'll be back shortly, yeah. Are you really? 100%. Of course. But I'm I'm like, I have super immunity now. You uh, do. From the one variant that I yeah, got, exactly. the nine other variants that exist no i have no immunity from I'll, but let me know what game you're going back to i'll play somebody this time with a different variant nearby would you that'd be yeah. great did you get your college class ring no the reason i bring this up is that uh, my kid and his uh, his classmates all got yeah. their class rings okay and they had actually this thing called a ring ceremony okay. where you had to go and you'd think these kids had graduated there were tons of speeches sure. and they were very self-congratulatory and you know all that's happened is your parents wrote a check to jostens <laughs> i was gonna say 
They just bought a thing. You did nothing. Why are we having this ceremony? I'd like to thank you all for the Civic Si, the Honda Civic Si that was purchased for me. Shall we get to our headlines? God, I hope so. There is news in the world. There is. What's happened? Ukraine is furious with Elon Musk for thwarting an attack on the Russian Navy. This is the Starlink story, right? Elon Musk made it so that they could not uh, do their Starlink on certain ge- with certain geographical boundaries. Yeah, they didn't want to be a participant in the war. Right, even though they were already a participant in the war because they were providing Starlink services in other locations. Sure. Yeah, sure. One of the advisors to Zelensky said that by not allowing this, you're an active participant in the war because then they could attack you. Like, yeah, well, sure, sure. Which is what they did. I mean, that's the problem with a war is there's no clear this is offense, this is defense. In some ways, your offensive moves are literally designed to keep yeah. yourself safe, to, yeah, keep, exactly. to keep them from being able to attack yeah, attacking you. attacking the ship so, they're not, so they can attack you. Yeah, the, exactly. The crazy, the crazy part of this story to me, or at least seems crazy to me, is that Elon Musk gets to dictate foreign, foreign policy. policy. Yeah. This is so wrong. Yeah. I don't remember voting for Elon Musk in any democratically held yeah, election for anything. I, I still think this whole Starlink Ukraine thing was like a, we're going to give it to you. And then after a couple of months, we're going to be like, oh, well, we can't keep paying for it. Someone's got to pay for it. Sure, and sure. I and felt, the United States very graciously is writing yes, a giant exactly. check. You remember the CD clubs in the 90s? Yes. Where you'd sign up and for like one cent, they'd send you 10 CDs. Sure, sure, sure. Like, oh, great. But then you're like, it's 20 bucks a month thereafter and you have to take a CD. And if you don't change your money I never, I never signed up for one. So I never knew what like happened that. next. I feel like yeah. this is the same thing. This yeah. is the CD club for Starlink. You are allowed to broadcast in the air. And sure. therefore, if the United States needs your equipment for a war effort. Sure. You better give it to them. You, you, yeah. You probably need to give it to them. You would think. Because you don't get to decide foreign policy. And, I'm, also, and I'm also shocked at the United States for not just saying that to them. I mean, maybe they did at some point. We don't actually know the details of their deal for purchasing. They might have been like, look, we're going to pay you a dollar for this and you're going to shut the fuck up or you're going to have a real problem. They paid $400 million. No, no, no. That was, I don't think that was ever publicized. They estimated Starlink, SpaceX, estimated yeah. it was 400 million bucks. Nearly a billion dollars in subsidies. And then later said it was a lower amount, but it's never been publicized what the US What the paid actual for. number was? No. Yeah. So like, we don't know. It could have been a dollar. But the thing they need to add to that contract is, and you also don't get to decide where it works sure, and doesn't sure. work. And also foreign uh, policy is not what you get to, to do. Appendix three should have said, and uh, change x.com back to Twitter. <laughs> you, you fucked hard. Also get a permit before you change the sign. <laughs> With yeah. the lights that blare into the people's houses. <laughs> WhatsApp tests a feature that could open it up to other messaging apps. So I think this is a good thing. Yeah. Channel, this is part of the European Union. Uh, yes. Yeah. European uh, Union is the, making everybody do things now. But Some I of the things make sense. Some of the things make less well, sense. Well, this one, I'm not sure how they're going to implement it. My read on this is it just said that it's requiring uh, gatekeepers yeah. to maintain interoperability. Right. So that doesn't imply to me that they have to open up their encryption. They just have to provide some way for someone to talk using the same service. So I would hate to see WhatsApp the encryption, or any of them. The encryption is wide open. They're using the signal messaging protocol. Yeah, totally. It's open source. So that Any, shouldn't be a problem. Anyone can make it, you know, anyone now, can make it work. if you're a unencrypted messaging app and you say, well, I want interoperability, I want to support your encryption, that to me should be a hard no. But yeah. that's not, I didn't read anything in this, this Well, what you'll, what you'll get if you don't know how to decrypt the WhatsApp messages, it's just a blob of text. Garbage. Just, <laughs> yeah, it'll make no sense. Yeah. Here you go. Here's your unencrypted transfer. <laughs> exactly. Good luck. Enjoy this. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's also really big. You give like a one word answer and you get a paragraph As back. As you should. And, yeah, 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 sure. I think net net is probably a good thing. I'm not, I'm not across enough to know how it's being implemented. They just don't want walled gardens, which I generally think is a good idea. As long as you can keep them safe. You, you think walled gardens are a good No, no, are not having walled not gardens. Not a good idea, yeah. Well, there are certain things that I think, yes, I wish I wish the EU would like, you know, browser rendering engines. For, oh, yeah. I wish they would, you know, force everybody to allow anybody, anyone who wants to put out a browsing rendering engine onto it. Sure a platform to be able to do so. It's crazy to me that we're stuck with ancient browser rendering engines on iOS. Sure. Do you think in iOS 17, Apple will allow anything more? Sideloading and... Uh, well, that's for app stores. That's for yep. 
different app stores, app stores, which is great. I think that's really cool. Which I still think if you have a different app store, to me, that implies that the apps in that app store no longer require Apple approval. That's is what that, that Im- true? That's what it implies to me. Because you still have some things you might not want on your you would think. platform that even though they come from a different store. The whole point of that is from the Epic ruling, right? So the Epic ruling was that Apple can't control distribution of applications and make money off it. Other ones can have app stores. Other companies can have app stores too. But if they're not going to have their hand in the revenue stream, why would they go through the process of approving and validating. Because they absolutely do not want those applications on their devices. Now, what happens now? Uh, will they still, this means there will be apps that you can put on your iPhone that don't pay the 30% it, uh, yeah. toll to Apple? You get it from an app store, some some other system. But the app store, when you when you put the app store on your phone, do they have to pay a 30% to Apple? Because that's uh, got to, you got to get that somewhere. That's a great question. I don't know. That's huh. it. They just move the 30% to the aggregate and move it in. That's, that. I don't know. How does that work? We're going to find out. No, we're not. This thing's going to be appealed until we're dead. It does work on Android. You, you get a second app because I've had a second app store for a long time and it works sure. great. But you pull it down from a website you, okay. in, in Android. Android is very different. You can just download the APK and you can install it. And it's not sure. boom. Yeah. You got it going. Yeah. The fast way to get your phone infected. You do have to be selective with the app vendors, of course. But I've never had a problem with it ever. But but I understand. Uh, speaking of, know, by the way, it's related to this. If you are an iOS user right now and you haven't updated your phone to 16.6.1, whatever the latest security update is. Oh, my gosh. You I heard do about this today. Yeah. Like you need to like pause this show, go update and come update back and your finish phone. it. Yeah. Because it is a terrible. There's a zero day exploit that we probably should have highlighted uh, earlier in the show. You can be infected without doing anything. Just an iMessage push being sent to you. It's pretty gnarly. This is part of the problem with not having your code open source because you don't have people who are looking at it, hammering Constantly. at it, hammering at it. It's not that you don't have oh. bugs. It's not that you don't have bugs in open source code. It's just you've got 9 million people screaming at sure. you saying you've got bugs in your sure. open source code. Yeah. It's yeah. not You're, a bad thing. You still have people looking at it. There's just, uh, they're not uh, incentivized the same way. Right. They're not looking at the source, right? Right. Yeah. Pretty interesting they found this exploit. And I'm, I'm kind of fascinated with how they found it, but I'm sure they're just going through images, right? That's all you have is software images. And, and how many are more are out there? A lot. That's part of the problem. Again, with not having open source, there could be zillions of Sure. NASA astronaut Frank Rubio inadvertently breaks the record for the longest U.S. space mission. This is pretty cool. He was up there. He was supposed to be up there for like a half a year. Right. Now he's up there for like a year plus. Yeah. Because there was an oopsie on one of the uh, Soyuz um, capsules. It's the problem. There aren't a lot of buses to and from the International Space Station. You miss it and you're hosed. You can't be late to the bus for sure. He's supposed to be coming home, I think, next week. I yeah. think next week, the week after, something like that. And, and his heart won't work. He's going to, you know, oh, it's going to take so long yeah. for his atrophied muscles to get him back into yeah. Earth's a year, a year in. being used to being on Earth. I mean, they work out a bunch up there, right? I mean, they've got they do. They do. stationary bikes and things to work out, try to keep some muscle mass. By the way, it's not the it's not the record. Uh, there is a, there is somebody who yeah. was up there for 400 days. 400 plus, like 430 days. And what like happened that. to that person? Do we remember? They're still up there to this day. Oh, is that right? <laughs> Flying around. <laughs> Lucy in the sky with diamonds. <laughs> on a space station Just we don't have? Space, yeah, totally. He's on Mir still. No. <laughs> wow. I think it was somebody on, that was a, a Russian cosmonaut on Mir yeah. uh, years ago. I don't know what happened. That's a good question. I'm, I'm sure that was a rough, rough landing. Oh, man. Rough, rough come down. A rough that. next year. that yeah. The year of regaining all that heart muscle I mean, mass. But also uh, your bone density. Yeah, oh, for sure. I think you lose like 20% of your bone mass if you're up there for more than oh. a couple months. And do you get it back when you come back to I Earth? Don't, I don't. Well, it's not like a locker. You don't check you just, it in on the way out. <laughs> <laughs> you get in the shuttle and like, uh, Mr. Barker. I'm going to need 20% of your, 20% of your bone, bone mass. Please. Just put it in there. And you're, <laughs> it doesn't work You'll that get way. it on the way back. Unless you lose the key. If you leave the key in space, then don't you're really leave the keys in space. Like, the key. Like, how can All I prove right. it's yours? Sorry, it's, dude. It's gone. Looks like Twitter shadow banned the New York Times. It doesn't look like Twitter shadow Which banned. advertises on Twitter. Pretty sure. Account. I know. That's what, what better way. I'm calling it Twitter because calling it X just makes me feel makes no stupid. Sense. I makes mean, no when sense. I say it's on X and you go, what's, what are you talking about? What's X? It is particularly ironic since the New York Times is one of, of X's biggest advertisers. I mean, one of the few remaining ones. They yeah. really need all the other ones. Yeah. They're just like, oh, no, let's make the service worse for people that are advertising here. How do they know that 
that that uh, the Times was the New York Times was shadow banned. So this is pretty interesting. There's a couple companies. One in particular said in this article that was looking at the click through, basically like like seeing what engagement looked like. Yeah. And they looked across platforms and they looked across different news outlets. Right. And they noticed that during this time period, the New York Times had a significant decrease in engagement, but only on Twitter. Yeah. Had the same engagement on Facebook and all the other platforms had the same basic engagement on Twitter. So the presumption here is the only way this would have dropped was is if been. New York Times was pushed down. So you saw less engagement. Okay, enough with the headlines. Up next, CJ is going to talk about suicide missions. Really? Yep. After listening to this show, I feel like that's the right wow, next thing for we us. We have gone from dark to darker. It was either this or Plato. You had an idea for a story idea for Plato? No, but now I got to go find one. Plato was originally wallpaper cleaner. What? Was that true? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Have you ever played Plato charades? No. Oh my God, it's the most fun thing. What is Plato charades? You, you make can a charade? Only, yeah, you can only describe things using things you can make out of Play Doh, little figurines. But do you actually make it out of Play Doh? You 100% have to oh, make it out of It's awesome. That sounds really hard. It's really fun. It's super fun. All right, let's get out of here. You're going to tell us about what are you going to talk about? Suicide missions? Oh my God. We were just, I was so happy with the Play Doh story. Hit the thing. Let's go. <laughs> Hit the button. <laughs> What do you know about suicide missions? Very little. Stunningly right? little. I know right. they were extremely effective in World War II. The things they called kamikaze missions. Kamikaze. We so, kind of figured yeah. that out eventually, how so, to defend from it. Yes. And that's and, and that's typically what people associate when you say suicide missions. It's like the kamikazes yeah, right. of the, the, the Japanese in World War II. So the definition of a suicide mission is a task which is so dangerous for the people involved that they are not expected to survive. Yeah. Kind of obvious. But the risks involved with those missions are not always apparent to those participating in them. So if, if an action is to be considered a suicide mission, the people involved must be aware of the risks. Yeah. If yeah. it's just a mission that goes wrong, that's not a suicide mission. Correct. And when people think of suicide missions, you typically hear things like you said, right? Like uh, uh, kamikaze attacks, September 11th, yeah. suicide bombings in general. Those are the things that come to mind. However, there have been some amazing, uh, what I would call heroic suicide missions in history that have been for the benefit of what I would believe most people would call the greater good. Is that right? And that's what I kind of want to talk about today. Uh, you we, are, just, we just passed the uh, 22nd anniversary of 9-11. It's, yeah. Yeah, that's that. So that's actually the inspiration for this segment oh, that okay. you'll see towards the bottom, right. but not for the reasons that you think. Not for the guys that were. Oh, in, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Not for the guys that were that that the terrorists that flew the planes into the into yeah. the the buildings. If you go back to World War II, you, which you had brought up, there was the uh, the Doolittle raid. Which have you ever heard of the Doolittle raid? No. So this, in some ways, predates the Kamikazes. This was uh, also known as the Tokyo raid, which was an air raid uh, in April on April 18th of 1942 by the the U.S. on ja the Japanese capital of Tokyo and other places on Honshu during World. War II. Honshu was the island that, that Tokyo is on. Sure. It was the first American air operation to strike the Japanese capital. Although the raid caused comparatively minor damage, it demonstrated that the Japanese mainland was vulnerable to American air attacks. If you're willing to die. That's the thing. It, it's kind of fascinating in this. This this was like the initial retaliation for the attacks on Pearl Harbor five months previous, uh -huh. right? And it provided an important boost to American morale. Under this plan, 16 B-25B Mitchell medium bombers, each with a crew of five, were launched from the U.S. Navy aircraft carrier USS Hornet in the Pacific Ocean. Okay. There were no fighter escorts. Let me repeat that. There were no fighter escorts. Okay. So now you've got 16 big-ass bombers right. that are going to try to fly to Tokyo to bomb Tokyo, basically to say like, hey, we can get to you too. Right. And the expectation 
indication was that these guys were probably going to have to ditch. Right. And they may or may not come back. So this was not, you know, I wouldn't call it kamikaze. They weren't flying the planes into things, but no fighter escorts. There's not a lot of expectation you're going to get through this thing in one piece. Wow. After bombing the military industrial targets, the crews were supposed to continue westward to land in China. That was the plan. Okay. On the ground, the raid killed about 50 people and injured about 400. The damage to the Japanese military industrial targets was slight, but the raid had really major psychological effects. Because they can get here. Yeah. So in the U.S. it raised morale. In Japan, it raised fear and doubt about the ability of military leaders to defend the home islands. Right. And the bombing and strafing of civilians created a desire for retribution. And this was exploited for propaganda purposes. But the raid pushed forward Admiral Isoroku Yamamoto's plan to attack Midway Island in the Central Pacific. That attack turned into a decisive defeat of the Imperial Japanese Navy by the U.S. Navy in the Battle of Midway. Mm -hmm. So you can sort of argue that this... Um, this Doolittle raid ended up, uh, which was effectively a suicide mission, yeah. ended up pushing the Japanese and allowing us to help. One of the many things allowed us to help win the war in, in the Pacific. Now, in the end of this, this Doolittle raid, of the 16 crews involved, 14 returned to the United States or reached the safety of American forces. Wow. Although one, one man was killed while bailing out, all but one of the B-25s were destroyed in crashes. So all the planes did not make it. Right? <sighs> Only one made it. It's amazing that so many people got back. Well, the 16th one had to land in the Soviet Union. At that time, the Soviet Union hadn't entered the war yet. So they had to they had to intern the uh, the crew. And then they magically, quote unquote, escaped sometime later. Basically, sure, sure. they just let them escape and yeah, then yeah. just, you know, get out of town. What's crazy about this too, which is a little um, uh, sideline, Doolittle initially believed that the loss of this aircraft would lead to his court-martial. Instead, he received the Medal of Honor and was promoted two ranks to Brigadier General. Wow. How crazy is that? Like, he thought this thing was a total failure, but he ended up getting promoted and getting the Medal of well, Honor. Well, we got 14 of 16 back. That's pretty much, you know, especially Proves, if you yeah. thought you were going to lose everybody. But you but you lost pretty much all the planes. Okay. Like, yeah. As it turns out, that was less important. Hardware's okay. Destroy hardware. That, to me, was an example of where, where you've got this sort of, you know, greater good uh, suicide mission. Yeah. Now, this one's... Totally different. In April of 1986, engineers at the Chernobyl nuclear power plant began a routine safety test on a steam turbine in one of its reactors. Somewhere along the way, human error, flaws in the design of the Soviet reactor, began an uncontrolled nuclear chain reaction, sending incredible amounts of energy surging through the power station. Mm -hmm. It is one of only two nuclear energy accidents rated at seven, the maximum severity on the international nuclear event scale, the other being 2011 Fukushima yeah. nuclear disaster in Japan. Why did we choose one to seven as our scale? Why wouldn't we choose good, one good to question. ten? Don't know. I mean, okay. I guess it doesn't have to be a round number, but at some point you're just, it's so fucked. You're just like, well, we can't get, yeah. think of anything more fucked than seven. So here <laughs> it is. The ensuing fire released large amounts of radioactive material into the atmosphere. First on the scene were the power station's own firefighters led by Lieutenant Valdemir Pravik. He and his firefighters felt and heard the explosions immediately geared up and drove towards the smoke. They had no idea the reactor just exploded. When Pravik realized the extent of the disaster, he put the entire region on alert and ordered all crew to come help at Chernobyl. Yeesh. He and his 13 men were facing a series of known and unknown challenges. The firefighters at Chernobyl knew the roof of the reactor was constructed using asphalt, which was not only combustible, but had spread a series of fires throughout the building. Oh my. So the roof is literally moving the fire around. Right. They didn't know that the uranium dioxide used in the core's fuel rods had also exploded and was burning along with the radioactive graphite used to slow the speed of neutrons, forming a highly toxic and radioactive smoke on the roof. Because all the systems were offline, Pravik, along with five other firefighters, had to run the hoses up to the roof via fire escapes to pour water onto the core, which at this time had reached temperatures of more than 3,600 oh degrees gosh. Fahrenheit, right? That's amazing. This crew soon began to feel the effects of the uranium and had to be rescued from the burning building themselves as yeah. their muscles weakened and they began vomiting. In the core, it would have taken 48 seconds for a human to absorb a lethal dose of radiation. 
It only took one hour for Pravik and his comrades. It was said that the radiation was so intense, his eyes literally changed color. And an autopsy of another one of these firefighters revealed burn blisters on his heart, which is insane. As more and more firefighters showed up on the scene at Chernobyl, the new arrivals understood they were going into a burning nuclear reactor. At this point, they knew it might cost them their lives, but they went in anyway. Mm-hmm. Right? They had to keep the fire from spreading to the number three reactor through the asphalt roof. The number four reactor was spewing not just uranium and graphite, but also radioactive cesium-137, iodine-131, and strontium-90 into the air. It was a fucking mess, right? The smoke plume would end up burning for 10 days and set radiation alarms off in Sweden. I remember. While depositing radioactive material in lakes as far away as Japan. Mm. Pravik and the firefighters who were just meters from ground zero of the worst man-made disaster in human history were so irradiated, they had to be buried in coffins made of lead that were welded shut to prevent their corpses from contaminating the area for the next 26,000 years. These folks all sacrificed themselves for the environment and ultimately a large chunk of not just humans, yeah. but all living things for thousands of years to come, right? So the first guys didn't know, but the second set of guys, they, they knew. knew. They wouldn't know. They had no choice, yeah. right? And we saw something similar in Fukushima uh, 10 years ago, right? In Fukushima, there were folks there that had to go in to ultimately try to control and fight fight the, the fire there. Yeah. They knew they weren't going to make it. So those were some of the backstories that I found. This next one is what gave me the inspiration for this segment. And this story, some people know, but to me, it's just, it's amazing. This is about Heather Penny. You know Heather Penny? No. Heard this name? Penny, who was our first lieutenant at the time, was ordered into the air in her F-16 fighter jet along with Mark Saseville's aircraft at Andrews Air Force Base as the terrorist attacks were unfolding on September 11th, 2001. Wow. They were ordered to down United Flight 93. Oh, wow. Before it reached the Washington, D.C. airspace. But because of the urgency, there was not enough time to outfit their aircraft with live ammunition. So other than the minimal, the minimal 100, 100 rounds, rounds yeah. of ball, you know, a- ammunition they always carried. So this mission could only have been accomplished by right. ramming the plane, right, with the respective jets. Right. Literally you know suicide, the story? No, but that, I'm, I'm following you. Yeah. So Penny and her fellow pilot, Saysaville, were never able to intercept United 93, because it crashed 35 minutes before they took off and likely would have reached Washington 15 minutes prior to being airborne. Mm. Penny would, and the, the reason United 93 crashed, of course, because the, the passengers fought back. Yeah, yeah, sure. Right? So uh, Penny would go on to say that we did not have missiles. We were on a suicide mission. And in order to be able to take any airliner down, SAS would ram his aircraft into the cockpit where the terrorists were to destroy the flight controls. I would take the tail by ramming my jet into the tail of the aircraft. I would aerodynamically unbalance the airplane and tip it over so it would crash straight into the ground by targeting both ends of the aircraft. Wow. It was our plan to prevent any additional casualties. Right. So that's kind of crazy to think about U.S. fighter pilots having to do this. She would later say, we knew what needed to be done and there were no tears. The prayers, to be honest, were, dear God, don't let me mess this up because of how important it was and the potential consequences if we were not successful. In the Washington Post, Payne described her willingness to down Flight 93 without using live ammunition, saying that, quote, there are things in this world that are more important than ourselves. We belong to something greater than ourselves. As complex and diverse and, and discordant as it is, this thing, this idea called America, binds us together in citizenship and community and brotherhood. We have to make a commitment to stability. We have to make a commitment to engaging in this kind of dialogue and remembering that there are things that connect us. What it means to be an American is so much more than the differences that we have between us, she said. We need to recommit to understanding before judging that those connections are more important than our differences and to overcome or move past our fear and into the ability to serve, to, to sort of move beyond ourselves. I, I, I read that and I was like, okay, this is, this is something I want to I talk about and I want to sort of build a segment around. As I was digging through this, this information about, uh, about Penny, uh, one of the paragraphs I came across eloquently, eloquently illustrated uh, my thoughts on this, which was to, to let us never forget, but perhaps more importantly, let us remember 
that there are things in this world more important than ourselves, that we all belong to and are part of something greater than ourselves, and that our connection is more important than our differences. That inside each and every one of us is the courage and heroism that we all witnessed that day. That there are not uh, unique or extraordinary qualities, but instead are common and are uh, all around us every day. And I've said for years, and I've said this, I think, on this show, that the best thing to bring us together as a planet and as a species is for another much more angry species to come oh, and, sure. and push us around, right? It's like sure. literally Independence Day. And I think they did a great job illustrating in just you know two and a half hours what happens when something that doesn't look like us comes and tries to kill all of us. I like to remind myself and would like to remind uh, you, dear listener, that we should really find a way to get along better now and not wait for a very grumpy species to show up on their giant craft with the intent of annihilating, enslaving, or auctioning us all off to the highest space bidder. Right. This penny story was the one that I came across, and I was like, whoa, this was a thing. Like, they had to get in the air with this- I cannot imagine that decision. They had to go. Yeah. And and she even said, if you, you know, reading some articles about her, she's like, I put up my hand and, and pledge an oath to protect. And this is yeah. what I had to do. And she's like, there was no thought. She's like, anybody who was in the op stream that day would have done the same thing. Yeah. She just happened to be the one there. But here you are, like this incredible those are, those military are, might. Those are superhumans. You do a lot of things in a simulator. I'm pretty sure they don't simulate this. No, of course not. So you got to think about like, how in the world do you crash? Like, these things are moving pretty fast. How you're you... designing it probably as you fly. You're Man. talking back and forth, figuring out you're like, going to take the front. I'm going to take the back. I could see how maybe you crash into the tail, but I don't know how you crash into the cockpit. Well, how you crash into the tail once someone has crashed into the cockpit? Well, because once problem, someone, yeah. yeah, once someone's crashed into the cockpit, they're going, you know, they're not yeah. flying in a straight. Well, if it's unstable enough, then you hope right. that, it, yeah. I mean, this whole story to me was just, was just bonkers. But the fact that, you know, they don't, you don't leave these things sitting around with, with missiles on them. You've never had an attack. You've had to respond to this fast. Why don't we leave them sitting around with well, missiles on I think them? Now maybe, we might. maybe we should. I think now maybe we do. Yeah. More so armed patrols. But, you know, in peacetime, you had plenty of notice. I'm happy to hear that Penny lives in this story. Yeah. Uh, she's in private industry now, I think, with, with one of the um, one of the providers. But for a long time, she she was in the Air Force. Yeah, amazing. It Absolutely was incredible. Amazing. So anyway, to me, these were some some suicide missions I think we normally think of as things that are, are not good, uh, as something that was very positive for the greater good. Yeah, yeah. And, and really all of these sort of work together. Such a, a huge and, and important and moving story that I feel like my little McDonald's story that I'm about to tell is just kind of silliness. Maybe you should go before me tomorrow. <laughs> maybe I should. Maybe, maybe, and then I can start doing the fun stories. Because this is going to be just, you Why know, do I do all the heavy stories in the middle? I don't understand. This is a story about five-year-olds who like to eat at McDonald's. Can we do that more often? Maybe. I've got Chernobyl in here. I had to work Chernobyl, <laughs> Japan, and September 11th, all into one segment. Yeah, no, this is going to be about iFixit and Apple and McDonald's. I'm, well, that's I, also I couldn't, really I couldn't be more lightweight today. <laughs> well, together we average into a regular size American. <laughs> good. That's good. perfect. Shall we do the thing? Let's, and you got to push the button. Let's do it. let your kids eat at McDonald's? You have two kids that are two years apart? 22 months, yes. 22 months. Five, and what's the other one? Three. Five and three. Do you, the math. do you let them eat at McDonald's? Uh, Your Honor, I'll take my Fifth Amendment on that, please. <laughs> so that's a yes? Before I met my wife, yeah. my first wife, I, I had to eat McDonald's since I was, to my knowledge. I had to eat at McDonald's since I was a kid. Yeah. My wife has one vice. Do you know what it is? There's only McDonald's? one vice. McDonald's? Coke. She Coca- loves cherry Coca-Cola. Coke. Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola, okay. cherry Coke. Okay. Now, I must admit, McDonald's has the best tasting Coca-Cola on the planet. Sure. There's a reason for that. They make it sweeter. They dial the sweetness is up. Is that true? I had no idea. 
idea. They dial it up to offset for the ice melting. This is true. Oh, wow. 100% true, yeah. Also, their French fries aren't terrible. Yeah, so sure. So before we had kids, we'd go there for like a Coke and French fries now and again and spend $3 and be yeah. happy days. Well, now with the kids, now they want that, but like I just refuse. I'm not going to get them a hamburger from, from McDonald's. Yeah. But like they have smoothies now, so I'll get them smoothies. And this is hysterical because the three-year-old, will sit, he sits behind me in the car. He'll drink the smoothie. He'll drink like half of it. And then you hear him go, ah, brain freeze, brain oh, freeze. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> and he doesn't know what to do, but I thought it was a brain freeze. But like his brain just breaks. Long story not so long. Yes, we do go to McDonald's now and again. I am familiar. Because it, it, this is always the problem yes. with, with being in a relationship when you have a child is that there's two parents. Yes. And there are parents who are adamantly against their child going to McDonald's. Sure. And then there's also my wife. <laughs> Who insists, of course he gets to go to McDonald's. There's two kinds I'm of parents ta- in this world. <laughs> yes. I'm taking the McDonald's. Sure. So very quickly, he learns. He sees the golden arches sure. off in the horizon. Yeah. Literally, kids get this like radar yeah. Yeah. where they can see yeah. around corners. Yeah. And, all, and, yeah, they, don't, yeah. and they don't say, yeah. let's go to McDonald's. The light bends. What Jake would say was, you know, literally, we're just, we're driving out of some place yeah. where we we just yeah. having a massive meal. We pull out of the parking lot and he knows the McDonald's is down around yeah. the corner. I'm hungry. Yeah. Totally. I'm hungry. Yeah. No, you're not. Yeah. No, yeah. you're not. You can't be hungry. You just ate a giant meal. I'm hungry. Yeah. So uh, two things on that. One, my children call it Old McDonald, which I think is hysterical. Why Old McDonald? Because the, the song. Okay. And we won't correct them on it. Sure. No, why they, would you? They also call eyeballs eye bulbs, which sure. I think is hysterical. Don't correct them on that Don't either. correct sure. them on that. I actually reinforced that one. <laughs> but yes, they also, it's like they just, they know that you're near there. So they, it's like they have like a GPS fence. They have the perfect GPS for yeah. McDonald's. Yeah, and yeah. part of it's it, incredible. I think, is that 16 cents worth of plastic called the Happy Meal the toy. Happy Meal toy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every kid wants that stupid Happy yeah, Meal toy. Totally. By the way, eventually they started selling those Happy Meal toys. You could go just buy it for a buck. I didn't know that, really? You didn't, you didn't mean to no. buy the, uh, that may be California thing, I don't know. But you didn't have to buy the whole Happy Meal, because I didn't didn't want my kid eating all this McDonald's sure, stuff. Sure. But he wanted the toy. Fine, I'll go get. We'll go. And if it's a toy you don't have, if it's a McDonald's Happy Meal toy you don't have, I'll blow the buck sure. and we'll get you the Happy Meal. Sure. And then we'll put some real food in your body. Sure. Great. All good. Okay. Tons of these toys, you know, from these visits later. Yeah. He still would be like every time he would see McDonald's. I'm hungry. Yeah, the, the the toy is like the hook. It's the soft drug that gets you the coming in. The problem is with McDonald's for adults. Yeah. Because you're not. You don't care about the Happy Meal. Sure. Cholesterol. You're driving through already. Sure. And you think, well, I'll get the ice cream. Sure. I'll get the McDonald's, yeah. the McFlurry. I'll get the yeah. whatever the ice cream thing is. Uh-huh. Do you know what percentage of McDonald's ice cream machines are down at any given moment? Oh, well, I can tell you this. This is a true story. Yeah. The one by my house that I go to with my children more yeah. often than I care to admit. Since my children have been alive, so five plus years, their fucking McFlurry machine does not work. Yeah. So we get ice cream with M&Ms on top. And I'm like, and I literally say to them, aren't you supposed to blend them up? Yeah, the machine's down. By the sixth time they told me that, I'm like, is the machine ever going to be fixed? And the guy shrugged at me and I was like, no. that's my answer. Yeah, that's your so, answer. So clearly I'm at one of the McDonald's that is the broken machine. You ask me percentage, I'm going to say, based on my experience, 20% of them are down at any given time. You're very, very, you're very close. I mean, it's actually not quite that high, but it depends where you are. And in California, you're probably, you're probably correct in those areas. But what McDonald's will tell you at any given time is as many as 10% might be down. That's in reality, In reality, there's a website that tracks in real time. No it's called McBroken. <laughs> Go to yes. McBroken.com. It'll blow it. your brains. Yeah. It's so cool. Wow. Every single McDonald's and whether or not they're, and it's all self-reported, sure. it's, all, it's all consumer sure, sure, reported, sure. whether their, their ice cream machine is up or down. Oh, wow. That's great. Right now, if you look at that, if you look at that website, yeah. 14.39% of the ice cream machines in the U.S. are down. Sure. There's a reason for this. Okay. None of this is by accident. You would think, wow, they're just bad at ice cream machines. Machine. Yeah. Right. The company who makes the machine is called Taylor. Taylor okay. Company, right? Okay. You've probably seen yeah, the, the logo. They sell ice cream machines to lots of fast food chains, including Burger 
Burger King, Wendy's, Arby's, Sonic's Drive-In, Dairy Queen, Baskin Robbins, Dunkin' Donuts, them. Starbucks, KFC, Everyone. Taco Bell, Subway. None of the rest of these chains have this problem. Okay. They all manage to keep their machines, their tailor machines, up and running. So working just fine. You know what the problem with the McDonald's one is? It's got a, is it like a, oh, please, please, please tell me. I don't ask you for much. Please tell me. It's like a inkjet printer. Like when you put in the, the fucking ice cream milk, it has like a little, like a little RFID on it's it. It's much more sinister than that. Oh, it's, really? In fact, it's very, very close. It's almost the identical machines that everybody else yeah, has too. But? McDonald's has a deal. McDonald's Corporation, not yep. the franchisees, yep. has an exclusive deal with Taylor okay. that only Taylor can fix those machines. Oh, interesting. McDonald's from Taylor yeah. gets millions and millions of dollars of course, for signing this deal. Yeah, yeah. And so the only way that they will permit these machines to be fixed is if you use a Taylor when the and Taylor charges a ton of money to come sure. fix their own machines. It's top dollar. Anybody could fix the machine. It's not yeah. a complicated machine. I got screwdrivers. Why can't I just go fix right. it? Right. But the way that they fight it is they say it is a violation of the Digital Millennium Copyright Act because so, there's actually software. So there's code in there. That is giving you error codes. And, uh. the, and the error codes, everyone says, are absolute nonsense. Yeah. But you can't wow. go and touch this thing because it, it wow. gives you software, little error That's codes to, for fixes. Right. I have an interesting, uh, very related story to that on the DMCA takedown there that you might enjoy very yeah. quick. I know of firsthand at least one, I think two car companies that use DMCA takedowns to keep people from pulling off images of their car software. Oh, of course, of course. Right? Because sure. they, they would like to do some mild encryption on it. You pull it down, you decrypt it. And then if you make any modifications like the fuel map or whatnot, they would then send you a DMCA takedown and, sure. and record it up. One car company in particular happened to leave the debugger on the ECU and some people figured this out and they fired up the debugger and got the debugger to kick out the unencrypted code. And then they're like, well, Sorry. it wasn't fucking encrypted. No DMCA <laughs> violation. Talk about a clusterfuck on that. Anyway. There was a guy who actually made a, uh, a little computer machine, a little mini computer machine that would tell you what the error codes actually meant huh. and how to fix them. Just open source the software. Right. The and, and McDonald's sent notices immediately to their sure. franchisees. You may not use these. Wow. These are against the law. Did, did, did they threaten taking back the license? Like oh, the yeah, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. Taylor reported a $1.1 billion revenue from its ice cream machine business. No, wait a minute. Oh, man. Now, nobody else has this deal except this McDonald's. The other fast food chains all allow that their franchisees sure. to go they get, just to sell fucking ice to cream. go get Bob, the guy down sure. the street who's good yeah. with mechanical things yeah. to fix the ice cream machine. Wow. I mean, when the I was going to say like, okay, who cares? It's got to be small potatoes, but a billion dollars in it's just not service. Small. It's huge. not small. It's not small. I fix it believes, you know, the I fix yeah, it yeah. people who give you the splugers for the yeah. popping off the Love thing. Em. And like I said, to make my phone last a lot longer and all of that, they have finally entered in this fight, okay. which is like, wow, because nobody was, nobody's going to sure. beat McDonald's yeah. except I fix it. Sure. Who tends to win these fights? Interesting. I mean, literally went up against some big, some yeah, yeah. serious goliaths yeah. and have won. They argue that it's unfair to force McDonald's franchisees to pay Taylor's high prices for repairs and repairmen who can't come in a timely manner when the machines quite simply need to be fixed. They also argue that the service contract prevents franchisees from fixing the machines themselves, which can lead to longer wait times for customers. Yes. iFixit has done two things. One, as first reported by 404 Media, do you know the website 404 yeah. Media? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Is to join with interest group Public Knowledge to petition the Copyright Office for an exemption allowing people to fix commercial equipment such as McDonald's ice cream machines and other industrial kitchen equipment without fear of reprisal under Section 1201 of the Digital Millennium Copyright Act. The other is to obtain one of Taylor's ice cream machines used by McDonald's franchisees, tear it down, yeah. look about how it could be so unreliable, look at what exactly the problem is. Sure. The quote from iFixit is, the error codes are nonsensical, counterintuitive, and seemingly random. Sure. The DMCA makes it illegal to bypass software locks on the devices yep. and Taylor ice cream have software locks to prevent unauthorized 
unauthorized repairs. iFixit argues that the DMCA exemption is necessary to allow them to repair the ice cream machines. They say that the software locks are not necessary to protect the copyrights of Taylor. They actually harm consumers by preventing repairs. The Copyright Office is considering iFixit's petition, and a decision is expected to be coming in the coming months. I mean, it seems unlikely on that first point they're going to have any success. Just because you're saying it's a food device, to me, doesn't make it any different. There's plenty of other devices out there that have nothing to do with food that are that are protected by this same act. Except I'm not saying the software right. part is not the part that's breaking. Okay, so let's say you can solve the DMCA problem. You still can't solve the franchisee problem. If McDonald's tells you you have to do this, you have to use this company, and if you don't, we're going to threaten your license. It doesn't matter if DMCA is Franchisees have bought that equipment. But you could make the point that in order to keep it at some standard, we need to use this group that knows how to fix the shit so that there's a standard McDonald's and you have the same ice cream standard. This is the argument that Apple makes about fixing iPhones and iOS yeah. devices and all of their, you know, basically yeah. their computing but equipment. I do think that it's slightly different though, just because in that case, like if you want to put a new screen on an iPhone, mm-hmm. you can't do that on your kitchen table. Like you need special equipment to do special it. Special gear, sure. Now, if you buy the special equipment and you're trained on it, fucking fill your boots, right? You guess, be able who, to... guess who fought Apple and got it I so fix that iFixit fought yeah. Apple and won. Yeah. And, and, and Apple will now send you the equipment and to you can buy the repair kit. your... Yes. You cannot buy the, qui- the kit. What actually happens is they send the kit out to you. Yeah. Because I actually had a friend who tried to do this. Yeah, yeah. They send the kit out to you. If you don't return it by such and such a time, they charge your credit card for it. Okay. They do not want to sell you the equipment. They oh, don't want to sell you the gear. And it's it a large, it's a very yeah. large tub of equipment. It's not a small amount of equipment. So how does iFixit do that? Even worse, what Apple is currently doing and has yeah. done basically in every case that I've been able to follow, I haven't been able to find anyone who's done this successfully, re- replaced the screen successfully mm-hmm. legally. By the way, mom and pop repair shops can replace those screens easily with no problem. It mm-hmm. happens all the time. What happens is Apple sends out the box of equipment. On the day that you're supposed to send back the box of equipment, you know, you, mm-hmm. before you mm-hmm. get charged, you send back the box of equipment. Your parts don't arrive until the day after you have to return the box of equipment necessary to replace so the parts. Again. If they even let mm. you, they're intentionally making it hard. Sure. In 2020, I fix it. One lawsuit against John Deere, which required yeah, the company to provide one. farmers with access to repair manuals and diagnostic tools for their tractors. This yeah. was the first time that a court had ruled that farmers have a right to repair their own farm equipment. In 2021, I fix it. Won a settlement with Microsoft that requires the company to provide independent repair shops with access to genuine parts and repair tools for surface devices. Oh, wow. So they've done this. iFixit has been successful so far with the cases they've brought. That's why the McDonald's thing is interesting because you're going against a serious foe when you're going against iFixit. It's literally two guys, Kyle Weens and, and Lewis Souls. They're lovely, smart people doing this wonderful, wonderful yeah. work. I mean, the company is now sold. It's sold to a private equity company or something of like course. that. More importantly, the, the work that they're doing is the same. They create repair manuals and they make them available for free. They fight fights to, yeah, so yeah. that people sure. can repair their stuff. The other, the other part of this that makes me nuts is how is McDonald's allowed to do something that is such a massive conflict of interest? Sure. Clearly, they are not working on behalf of their franchisees. They're working solely on behalf of themselves. This one seems a little nuts. All right, we have to get out of here, but quickly before we do, have you seen or read anything good this last week? Well, kind of. I went back in time a little, and I watched an early episode of Big Mouth again. Do you ever see Big Mouth on Netflix? I don't know Big Mouth. Oh, boy. You might want to go watch a little bit of Big Mouth. It's a cartoon series. It's like these foul-mouthed middle school kids 
Okay. And like they're like just like discovering, like basically going through puberty. And it's kind of hysterical. Oh, that's hilarious. It's great. How about you? Uh, I'm going to recommend again. I recommended it last week. Jerry Brown, The Disruptor. It's a documentary about the political and personal journey of Jerry Brown, the longest serving governor of California history. First elected at 36 years old and again at 72. His 50 year career tackling important issues like climate change and inequality premieres tomorrow, the 15th on PBS American Masters. Be sure and see this PBS. It premieres tomorrow. And I mentioned this a second time now because you have only one, one day, day warning. This sure. is it. Put this on your calendar. It's like, worth it. It's good. I feel like I need to watch this because you've plugged it twice. You've never plugged anything twice. Be- just because of the way this one falls on the calendar. The only way you can see it is if you, if you tune in tomorrow. That does sound really interesting. I will I will absolutely check that out. That is the episode. Thank you for joining us for all this nonsense. A truly terrible podcast from The Awful Company. This is on the web at nonsense.productions. I'm Stilettle. I'm Jeff Parker. If you like this program, please follow, download, subscribe, and like at Apple, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or our favorite, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts from. Podcastindex.org. Special thanks to our floor director, Dennis Smith. Thanks so much, Dennis. We'll be here every Thursday morning for more nonsense. Please join us. But you're better. You're out of the, the COVID area. Yeah. I mean, according to the two tests that I took to, you know, a day apart each, yeah. I have a very strong case of control, Yes, which I've apparently not shaken. You haven't shaken the but control But the actual case? COVID, yeah. sure. I, I no longer That's, have. That you no longer yes. have.